0: Hey, Happy New Year, and welcome to the podcast of The Kelly Cotrera Show. It is January the 4th. It's a Monday. Today on the podcast, our chief political correspondent, David Aiken will outline just how many MPs decided to get out of Dodge for the holidays and if we can paint them all with the same brush. And, you know, a lot of people are starting a dry January, giving some things up. Maybe you should consider giving up Facebook Messenger, for 2021. Adam Oldfield's our tech expert. He has some very good arguments on why you might want to lean that way. But first, Canada is falling behind some other countries when it comes to getting vaccines into arms. And it's not just because we don't have the vaccines here. So to get some perspective on what is happening, Dr. Allison McGeer joins the show, an infectious disease specialist at the Toronto Mount Sinai Hospital. You've heard her on the show before, and we welcome you back. Happy New Year. And the same to you. So where exactly is the holdup when it comes to our vaccine strategy?
1: Uh, It's a little hard to tell, actually. I I, I think we were worried about maintaining the cold chain for vaccines because these have to be frozen and it interfered with our ability to use our usual strategies for getting vaccine out. Um, But we really, you know, we've centered it on a number of hospital clinics, not what they usually do. Um, And we're delivering Four or 5,000 doses of vaccine a day in Ontario, which is it, it's not terrible, but it's about 10% of, of what we need to be delivering, because we've got new vaccine coming in every day, got a lot of vaccine sitting in freezers, and not a lot of vaccine getting into people's arms.
0: So we were focused on the logistics of how we move something that has to be kept in cold storage and how we get it there, rather than how we take it from cold
1: storage and get it into the arms. I think so. And, I, you know, I think we were we we kind of created a new system for delivering vaccines. And we know that what works in in pandemics and outbreaks is things that already exist. And I think we, w- we would have been better off to to try to stick with our usual mechanisms. And hopefully that's what's going to happen this week, that we will uh, a start moving the Pfizer vaccine, Um, out of hospitals and into long-term care homes, and B, will be able to make sure that the public health units and primary care are engaged in delivering vaccine because that's what they do on a regular basis.
0: Before the break, I was mentioning that I was a bit shocked. I was listening to the radio on the way, uh, you know, this, this holiday season. I was heading up to my cottage and I thought it was a mistake taking time off from vaccination during the holidays, even for a day. And I understand that our frontline healthcare workers work very hard, but they're also used to working holidays and working uh, interesting hours. Were you shocked that they'd be taking some time off for holidays?
1: I was, you know, it, uh, honestly, it, it didn't occur to me that they would stop vaccinating. I, you know, I think I, I think the point was well taken that maybe Christmas Day, you know, that but uh, I, I think uh, the holidays on either side of it were a mistake. And then people have said as much. But even that is not that that's not our primary problem. Our primary problem is we're just not getting enough vaccine out every day. You know, we're, we're at the rate we're delivering vaccine. We'll get through the vaccine we have. By the end of January, and before then, we're going to have five times as much coming. So we Mm. really need to do something about. You know, we're we're delivering vaccine at less than half the rate of the United States, less than a fifth of the UK. You know, we're we're really not doing well.
0: I was listening to a a story out of Alberta where they were, you you know, they figure out which frontline healthcare workers get the vaccine. And uh, they they had some people miss their appointments and they wasted vaccine because they said, well, they couldn't just grab someone that's working in the hospital at the time and say, hey, you want to get your shot because you have to go through all of this uh, paperwork in advance. And I shook my head and I just thought, why isn't everybody filling out their paperwork in advance so they can be paged so that a dose isn't wa- wasted?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think there are lots of strategies for not wasting dosages. But I also think, you know, we have millions and millions of doses of vaccine. It's important that we don't waste vaccine. But mm-hmm. it's more important in the middle of a pandemic that we get it into patient's arms. If the cost of getting into patient's arms uh, is wasting 1% of the doses, um, that's much better than three quarters of the doses being stuck in the freezer, which is the situation we're now in.
0: Okay, Moderna vaccine, I know that uh, right now the states are looking at possibly asking if they can half the doses. So uh, have you heard anything about that? They say that the efficacy is just as good in, in certain patients of certain ages. If you use half a dose uh, as the first dose, uh, they're just not sure about the duration. Do you think that that's a good thing to be looking at? Their Their whole idea is to stretch the vaccine and vaccinate as many people as they can at once.
1: Yeah, I you know I I I think there's been a whole bunch of strategies about, you know, delaying the second dose, uh about reducing the dose, all of those things are things that we need to be talking about um because, you know, at the moment even with all the vaccines we've bought, we're still not talking about having, you know, enough people vaccinated until late in the fall. So Mm -hmm. any strategy that we can use that will get doses into people's arms faster and more effectively, get us back to normal more effectively is a good strategy to consider. Not necessarily what we're going to do, right? But it is what we, there are things we need to be thinking about. But in Ontario at the moment, we just need to get the vaccine we have into people's arms.
0: Right. And so in your opinion, how, how shall we do that in, in the best manner?
1: Well, I'm, I'm hopeful that the, um, vaccine is is going to start to be rolling out from public health units soon. I, I don't know what soon means. It can't be soon enough. Um, I, I know that a large group of primary care doctors have gotten together and gone to the province and said, you know, we're willing to do anything to help. I'm, I'm, so I'm really hoping that the, the, the province, which at the moment is, you know, controls the entire strategy, is going to recognize that we need to be giving 10 times as many doses a day as we're currently giving. Um, and that that's obviously really hard work. Um, so I'm, I'm very much hoping that we're going to step up this week and be able to pull that off.
0: Who should Canada be looking at and, and modeling itself after when it comes to that COVID-19 vaccine strategy?
1: Well, I I think we have choices. Certainly the UK has done a a very good job. They started a little bit ahead of us, um, but they're doing much better than us um, using predominantly primary care. Uh, Germany, Israel, you know, there are any number of countries where the the rollouts are going um, much better than ours. Now, of course, every country has a different system. In fact, every province in Canada has a different system for delivering vaccines. So you can't Um, you can't necessarily just pick up what some other country is doing and and use it. Um, But certainly there's a great deal to be said for what the UK is doing.
0: Should we have had somebody at the the top of this vaccine rollout um, heading it up that wasn't in the military that actually comes from a role in, in public health that has worked with vaccine rollouts before?
1: I, I think one of our issues is that the the we we have not taken advantage of primary care and public health who are the people who do vaccinations for us. I think we the the people who are running the vaccine program have perhaps not taken as much advantage as they could of, of expertise that exists in vaccination. Um, but it's also been, it, it has also been a very difficult time. There have been uncertainties in how many doses we're getting and where they can go and how you can store them. And um, so it, it I, I, think it's, I think it's more complex than just saying um, we should have had more public health people involved. But mm-hmm. I do think that Um, I I do think that we have suffered a little bit from, as I've said before, you know, treating this as a logistics problem as opposed to a vaccination program with logistic challenges.
0: Can we learn anything from the um, vaccination program that went down for polio in the 50s?
1: I am not sure that there's something we need to learn from that. Of course we okay. did learn from that. You know, we we every time we have to run large vaccination programs, we learn from them and we do them better. Um and I you know, this one this this one comes with a number of challenges we haven't met before. Um but uh you know, so so yes, pe- people have learned. Um every time they do it. Um I'm not sure we've been taking advantages of what those learnings were um, very effectively in Ontario at the moment. All right. Well,
0: doctor, it's always a pleasure having you on. I know you're very busy, so I'm going to say, uh, thank you to you and and have a good day. Pleasure to talk to you. Take care. Have a great day. That's Alison McGeer, an infectious disease specialist at Toronto's Mount Sinai Hospital. And Adam Oldfield is joining us, our 640 Toronto Tech Analyst. Welcome to the show. Good to have you on, Adam.
2: Thank you for having me, Kelly. Appreciate joining you this new year.
0: Well, Happy New Year to you. Hopefully you uh, enjoyed your um, first few days of the new year and you've made some resolutions. Would one of them be to stop using Facebook Messenger in 2021?
2: I want to say yes, if it wasn't for the sake of everyone else that's on it that I have to communicate with. But trust me, it's on my list of 2021 to Deep Six.
0: Okay, so why should we deep six it? Because I was reading this article uh, over the weekend from Forbes. That says it says, basically, it, it lists all the reasons why you should stop using Facebook Messenger. But you're, I think you're going to uh, spell it out for us in a way that is easily digestible.
2: Absolutely. Here's a real straightforward overview of why you want to get off Messenger. Number one, we all talk about if somebody was constantly following you around, like literally hanging off your shoulder, you'd be very annoyed. Every conversation you had, they would make notes about it. Everywhere you went, every, every intimate discussion you had, it was listening to everything you said, knew where you went, knew what you purchased, all of it. Well, we would get very annoyed by that, but somehow Messenger, Facebook Messenger has access to absolutely everything. And even to the degree that we hear those rumors of, is Facebook listening to me? Is it actually hearing what I say? And even with those elements that Apple has exposed, uh, yes, this is partially how uh, Facebook has access to this. So Messenger is one of the amplifiers. Think of it as a microphone connected directly to Facebook. And it's listening to assist you, you as a user of Facebook, to get you the proper information correctly. So with that said, you need to get rid of Messenger if you don't want, if you get annoyed by someone following you and listening to everything you do. You probably want to think about getting rid of Messenger.
0: Okay, when you say listening to everything we do, are you talking about deciphering the messages that we're writing down and sending to other people? Or is there a component because there is a in in messenger that can access your uh, microphone on your phone or on your tablet and listen to what you're saying?
2: It does all of that, Kelly. This is the part which is uh, quite concerning, is the fact that it's looking at even your financial statements, every bill you pay. Uh, it's doing equal to How what Google does. How can it look does. at every bill you pay? Well, it's got it's called metadata. So what it's doing, when you give it permissions to access your phone, it has third-party access to elements within it. So, for example, it will know the type of phone you have. It will know what carrier you're on. Uh, it will know uh, when you go into a grocery store, if you've got your location data on, it will know how long you were in there. So let's say you took a photo of that product or you're sharing a, a, uh, a photo with a friend. Uh, it's taking an analysis because it's got access to your gallery. So Facebook has one of the most advanced uh, artificial intelligence and photo tracking uh, algorithm, even better than actually Google. Um, And with that, it's using this information to know everything about you. So, yeah, those little elements that you've given it permission when you load it, install it and go, sure, absolutely, you have access to everything. This is what Facebook Messenger is able to do. It's got a lot of in-depth detail of your personal. And We know our phones are our lives and Facebook has, has, has access to everything about our lives.
0: Okay. The devil's advocate, um, you know, side of this story is, yeah, but it allows, uh, me to be super served. Like I, I might mention I'm looking for a bathroom vanity, which by the way, I am. If anybody knows of a great place to get a bathroom vanity, I'm looking for a 60 inch with one sink, uh, Kelly at 640 Toronto.com. And I'm not talking to you, Facebook messenger in my phone. I know you're going to send me a whole whack of crap now. I'm talking to the goodly 640 Toronto listeners, but. You know, I will then find numerous uh, sales for, you know, on my devices for vanities with one sink that are 60 uh, inches. Adam, why is that something that I shouldn't look at favorably?
2: Well, and you're right. There's two sides of every story. And as a tech guy, I love to find simplicity and efficiency in everything we do. It's so much more convenient when I think of wanting a pizza and all of a sudden it gives me every variable option that's close to me on the map and tells me which one has the best coupon value. So there's always a a side to that. But at what price are we sacrificing, Kelly? So when we talk about where could this bite us in the future? Well, you know, who knows where the world's going in the next 10 years? And truthfully, based on what could happen in Congress, where they're going to split up Facebook and put some uh, details in there. Remember, Facebook is also self-regulated. There is no platform or government body that's sitting there watching everything Facebook does. So let's go over the fact of that convenience you have you're also providing more than probably even the government knows about you uh and let's just hypothetically say and again hypothetical this is not a fact that this is happening but let's assume in canada we're protected but in the us i do know that uh the government the irs uh the cia have access to that data when they feel the patriot act is compromised so should they or if they need to investigate you without your permission They can go to Facebook and properly request this detail. In fact, the FBI has already provided that detail. Now, what could that mean for you in the future is I might have accidentally said, uh, hey, I bought this on your 60-inch vanity sink and you paid cash. Um, The CRA would have access to that in the case the government was able to uh, properly request or uh, uh, access this data. Now, what would that mean for you in the future could be uh, quite a headache. Uh, And so what are we sacrificing by the sake of convenience? So what do you recommend
0: when it comes to, um, you know, messaging services to use? What's the safest way to, to you know, message people? Because we, we do communicate via text. Um, now that's a reality. Most people don't like to be bothered by a phone call. What's safe?
2: The safest and the one I recommend for everyone, the one I use, is called Signal. It's absolutely free, works on computers, all operating systems. Uh, it's signal.org. It is completely encrypted. Uh, it has absolute zero penetration. In fact, the government is now starting to migrate over to it, uh, where we hear WhatsApp is encrypted but there's some metadata honestly if anyone's listening right now and you want security with your communication transfer to signal uh you probably want it because snowden who is still wanted by the usa as a uh, whistleblower uses it securely out of russia i think Uh, that gives me quite a lot of confidence using this system
0: all right so you just have to get all your friends to join signal.org
2: that's it. And you'll be safe and secure and share all those lovely, wonderful messages that you don't want anyone infiltrating or otherwise. I mean, again, if, it, uh, if you lose it or you have to reload it, the only caveat is uh, all those messages are gone. Kelly. So again, if it's one of those, you're sending messages or sharing details and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I lost my phone. I got to get a new one. Well, you start from scratch. And that's right. the good thing in my opinion is that you start from scratch. All those messages are hidden. No one will be able to get access to them.
0: Okay. So we can just, we just get rid of your Facebook entirely and then everything's gone. They won't have access to your phone anymore. Or is there anything else you have to do?
2: Well, let's be clear. You're, anything you've done on Facebook up until the time you remove yourself will remain on Facebook. So whoever or whatever you've done through Facebook, sharing photos, uh, videos, or sharing or visiting or even payments online through Messenger, you've, all, you've got a history trail there. It's a breadcrumb. So anything from the time you unload or uninstall your uh, document uh, will be the end. You can go into Facebook and request to delete it. However, a part of their terms and conditions is they're entitled to have a copy of it on their servers.
0: Adam, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. And Signal.org is the messaging service that you are suggesting. Thanks so much and Happy New Year.
2: Happy New Year. Thanks, Kelly.
0: Cheers. Adam Oldfield, 640 Toronto Tech Analyst. Jason Kenny now being asked to resign because he... David, we have a clip from Jason Kenny. He's saying that he is not going to... Uh, um, he's not going to do anything other than uh, insist that his, his members of uh, Parliament do not uh, go away. Have a listen.
3: I don't think it's, it's reasonable uh, for, for me as, as a leader to sanction people who uh, very carefully followed the public health orders and the legal requirements in the province where we have been, frankly, encouraging safe travel.
0: David Aiken, our man on the hill, David Aiken, welcome to the show. Good to have you on and happy new year.
3: Happy new year. Yeah, and and you'll have lots more Jason Kenney clips today because uh, he is definitely on the hot seat, the Alberta Premier. He had 8 8 MLAs including a minister leave the country to go to Hawaii, Las Vegas, uh, New Mexico, uh, hot sunny spots. And there's one more. He had his chief of staff, uh, his guy named Jamie Huckabee, went to England... And then while this guy Huckabee, the premier's chief of staff, was in England, we imposed those new travel restrictions because of the new COVID variant in England. In other words, we don't want anybody from England. You can't travel from England right now. And yet Huckabee, Kenny's chief of staff, circumvented that restriction by traveling back to Alberta through The United States. So there's lots of questions because he's got a very well-tanned caucus. And you know the rule. no, Please stay at home. It's not a rule. It's a recommendation. But, you know, everybody's supposed to follow it. Please stay at home except for non-essential travel. And, you know, one of his ministers, Tracy Allard, his municipal affairs minister, you know, there's speculation she'll be resigning or getting fired today. She Uh went to Hawaii because that's what her family does at Christmas. Yeah, we have a clip from her
1: um let's let's just roll that clip fire away that that clip in hindsight all i can do is apologize i really believe that thinking this through i think i was you know looking to honor a tradition with my family respecting the guidelines dave i was
0: saying that you know most of us would like to honor a tradition to our family it's called eating a meal together and we didn't
3: yeah, so so this is the thing, right? Non-essential travel, and that, of course, is why Rod Phillips here in Ontario had to quit because you know a vacation in Saint Barts is not essential travel. Now, over the weekend, we now know that f- uh, one, two, three, four federal MPs left the country during the Christmas break. Four, two liberals, and a New yeah. Democrat and a conservative. Now, here's where we get into the what is essential or not. Okay, let's start with the liberals. One from Brampton, Camel Kara, uh, who I should point out, she actually got COVID-19 herself way back in the spring, recovered, she's a registered nurse, has been volunteering her time in clinics up in Brampton, helping out, cause you know, every nurse on, on deck. So she knows the public health rules, but she left the country uh, in December to go to Seattle, uh, not necessarily a place you get a tan in December. She goes mm-hmm. to Seattle, uh, and there she participated in a memorial service for some recently deceased relatives. She returned, did 14 days uh, in quarantine. Now, she did not tell her party's leadership. And I think as a result, she has voluntarily resigned some of the parliamentary duties she has. She was a parliamentary secretary. The other Liberal MP, Samir Zuberi, he's from Montreal. Say, uh, it, he uh, left the country to go to Delaware. Again, not exactly a sunspot in the middle of December. He went to Delaware because of to visit an ailing relative the other uh he too did not tell his party leadership and he's resigned some parliamentary responsibilities nikki ashton the ndp mp she went to greece uh, it might be a sunspot but she says she went there again for an ailing relative she has been removed from some critics jobs because she didn't tell anybody and finally the conservative uh calgary mp named ron Leipert, Uh Leipert, long history in, in alberta politics used to be a provincial health minister he's been an mp for a while now he has property in california in palm desert he traveled there twice for what he called essential property maintenance um and he did tell his leader's office um mm-hmm. he really doesn't have any official roles in caucus so those are the four liberal uh, the four pardon me federal mp's some different situations than say going to hawaii because that's what your family does or going to st. bart's but i think you know, voters are going to want to know who, who left and would like to know why. And then voters may make some conclusions after that.
0: Do you think Rod Phillips is going to have to step down Um, because he's being asked to resign as, an,
3: as, it, it, as an MPP? well? Yeah, he
0: has stepped down, but he's being asked to to resign actually from his uh constituency as well as, you know, MPP of Ajax. Um Do you think he's going to have to I, I base we'll on that see. video? I mean, that-
3: I think that I think the next, if there is a next step in terms of, you know, Rod Phillips' punishment, if you will, or mm-hmm. uh, it would be you're at a caucus, right? I think that would be the next step. Um, is is if if the premier, um, who I think also is facing a little bit of heat on this, as Premier Ford we're talking about, yeah, uh, you know, he sort of knew or did he know? It looks like he did know. Anyhow, the next step I think if you really wanted to uh shows show some disapproval of Phillips' behavior would be for his own party to say you're at a caucus you're going to have to sit as an independent and that is essentially saying you know in the next election you know you're on your own you're probably going to lose so you might as well you know resign now i, I don't know if it's going to come to that um you know again it is it's a pretty big thing to have to resign of the video, as finance though
0: minister. don't yes. you think that, that was well, really the nail in the coffin. Like, whoever decided, oh, I'm going to be away, maybe we'll just fill the, f- film the Christmas Eve video uh, at home in front of the fireplace. That's where you get super disingenuous. Could have very easily just sent out a tweet, Merry Christmas to all the constituents. Thanks for doing your part.
3: Well, listen, I agree. The video is what you know quote it's like the cover-up isn't it Mm -hmm. Uh, that's where it really becomes a big problem i think phillips was done in any event even if there hadn't even if he'd sent a video like from the beach in saint parks oh well that you know well who knows that might have been better than sitting sitting in front of your thing listen uh, listen i'm the i'm the reporter who broke Prime Minister Trudeau's illegal trip to, you know, the the Aga Khan's island in the Bahamas, way back in the good old days pre COVID. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I got onto the story was this was the you know, the the two thousand or this was the um The 2015 uh, New Year's Eve, bringing in the 150th, 2017, ringing in the the 150th anniversary of Canada, this is a big deal, big party on Parliament Hill, and Trudeau just sent a video message. Like the Prime Minister didn't show up for this big party. He just sent a video message from his office, and that struck me as going, where the heck is the PM on this big, quote, birthday? Well, he was in the Aga Khan's Island. Anyway, so it's sort of similar in that here's Phillips with this faux video in front of the fireplace and yeah, it's it got him in more trouble. So I don't but know. But David, we'll, we'll see.
0: Can we paint all of these politicians with the same brush? I know some no. of them are tanned, but you know some of them did go because of ailing relatives. That said, there's a lot of people that have ailing relatives right now. They can't say goodbye to them because of COVID.
3: True. T- true, but and this is the thing where we get into what is essential or not. Everybody's going to have to make their own decisions, and and some of these politicians did. And what I found interesting was for these two liberal MPs we learned about last night that this is this is Kamal Kara in Brampton and uh, Samir Zuberi in Montreal. Again, one essentially visiting a memorial or funeral for a recently deceased relative, another visiting a very ill, uh, you know, I think grandmother grandfather. Mm. In, in any event, uh, yes, I think a lot of Canadians may say. Um, that's appropriate, and if uh, if I was in that situation, I would take steps to do it safely, you know, making sure I come back in quarantine. So that's where you might get into, you know, as I say, the gray area. It's not all equal. And you know, Kelly, what was fascinating was, you know, I'm taking a look. I got a big social feed out there, so- looking at the reaction to these these revelation of these two liberal MPs, and I saw conservatives, like conservative advisors, conservative uh, operatives, who are going. I-, I see no problem with what they did. Right. They should tell their leadership. And as long as they followed the guidelines, fine. Now, that said, we also learned yesterday that in the summertime, remember, it wasn't so restrictive in the summertime, but in the summertime, three other Liberal MPs left the country, uh, one of which was another Montreal MP named uh, Patricia Latanzio, and her essential travel, well, it was essential that she help her daughter move into school in Ireland.
0: I heard about that. Uh, Come
3: on. You know, and that's where you kind of go, well, I don't know. Um, But again, it was the summertime. Um, uh, another one, Lynn Bissett, also from Quebec, that's a liberal, um, her, her parents, uh, had a place in Mexico and they left right away in March because of COVID. They came back to Canada, but they had to leave everything behind, uh, cars, property documents. And she'd been looking for a time to go get them and retrieve them from Mexico. And she did that in the summertime. And she, I kind of get you know, that. I kind of get yeah, that. But on the way back, she stopped in Massachusetts to sell. I her don't much. get that. Uh, yeah, yes, yeah, so, you know. <laughs> and then the last one was Alexandra Mendez, who's uh, one of the deputy speakers in the House. Again, a Montreal MP. Uh, she went to Portugal to settle some affairs of a deceased relative, and uh, and it is apparently complicated. You must be in person. Do that in person. It's not something you can do via a lawyer. That's according to Portuguese law. And she did that, uh, what she called essential travel. Again, in the summertime, when there weren't the stay-at-home, etc. So, you know, I, I think everybody's going to sort of assess these individually. And I think it was clear what Rod Phillips did was that was not essential, and he paid a price. Uh, we may see Minister Allard in, in B.C. That, that or sorry, in Alberta, yeah, wasn't really a good idea. In fact, there's one Alberta MLA, still MIA. He's in Mexico. There's a guy named T- uh, uh, Tanny Lau. He's the MLA for up in the oil sands, Fort Mac, he's in Mexico. We know he's in Mexico, but in the premier's office has been trying to call him to come home, and they can't get a hold of him. I wonder if he just got the phone off the hook going, well, I'm going to be in for it anyway, so I might as well enjoy the rest of my week in Mexico. Yeah, well, um, he's probably
0: been reading the papers thinking, yeah, if I pick up, I'm going home. So, no, oh, I was, out of the, I was at the but, uh, spinning class by the Yeah,
3: cool. Kenny's going to have it t- today on the chin because mm-hmm. the New Democrats there, they've already put it out. They're looking virtuous. None of them have left the country. Mm-hmm. And here Kenny is gonna look at his you know, his, his caucus when the legislature sits and it's gonna be a very well tanned caucus. I mean there's eight of them there. Yeah. That again, Vegas, Hawaii. That so so that's gonna be an issue now, I think, in Alberta today. I think a little less so, you know, I've been making my f- calls today. I don't think that, you know, the Liberals are not gonna pick on conservative Ron Leipert for his travel and the conservatives aren't gonna pick on the new Democrats and the Democrats aren't gonna pick on the Liberals because they each have somebody who's traveled and um, and you could make the argument it was for legitimate reasons and in any event uh, at least the liberals and the new democrat they suffered some consequences in that they have been you know removed or retired from some parliamentary duties which is essentially the slap on the wrist that you get if you you know don't tell the speaker's office primarily
0: hey thanks so much for tuning into the podcast always a pleasure to have you with us don't forget to subscribe wherever you download your favorite podcasts and we'll be waiting for you daily have a great one